Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Tampa Bay on Saturday, February 11th, 2023. This is show number 212, February 9th, 2023. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's it hanging this quiet weekend of racing? It's going well, scrambling a little bit. We're on a little different schedule, recording on Thursday evening, late and Eastern time zone for you and for our guest. But uh, it's an interesting set of races at Tampa Bay, as it always is on this Sam Davis weekend. So looking forward to that. It may be quiet, but it's a good good sequence. It is an interesting uh, set of races, and uh, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm also excited for the reason that we are doing the pod this late on a Thursday night. It's because tomorrow I am flying to California and I, um, I'm not going there specifically for the races, but I will be visiting Santa Anita on Saturday. That's awesome. It's a great race place for a reason. It, it's a great place to go to the races. Just a really nice track, good horses and just beautiful backdrop. Um, Certainly one of my favorite, if not my favorite track. Yes, and I haven't handicapped the races yet, but uh, it does look like some pretty solid racing on Saturday with one nice stakes race on the hill. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sportofkings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sportofkings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special returning guest. He's the race caller for Tampa Bay Downs, as well as Monmouth and Colonial Downs. He has a podcast that has been running for many, many years. He's the original creator of the world-famous Beamy Awards. He's Jason Beam. Jason, welcome back. It's good to be with you guys. I, I'm, I'm good friends with Chris Griffin, though, who is the caller at Monmouth, so I better say that I don't, I don't call there. I, was, I filled in there one year. Oh, you only filled there one year. That was it, yep. Just for, for Frank, he had that Santa Anita-Monmouth overlap both in the front and the back, and so I did the, uh, the spring and the fall. Oh, okay. Well, so you know, you still got two tracks, Tampa Bay and yep. Colonial Downs. Yeah, no, I have a really good circuit right now. It, I got a little bit of sp- I think six weeks in the spring off and about seven weeks in the fall off. So it works out really, really good. I like that thirteen weeks vacation. I, I I want your job. Well, to be fair, I'm still grinding the podcast all throughout that time. But uh, no, it's it's <laughs> it's it's, it's it, honestly it's it's a great schedule. I'm I'm doubly blessed in my career. And you grind out that podcast, what, five days a week, right? We, we, we did five for a lot of years. I moved it to four last year when I got the job here just because I was, I was not having any days off during the week. So now I, I get one day off between the two jobs. So And, and grind is you know, being a little dramatic there. <laughs> right. I mean, you do, it, good. It, you, you do do it pretty effortlessly. I love doing it. It's fun. Yeah, I enjoy listening. I can't listen to all the all of the podcasts, but I try mm-hmm. to catch as many as I can. And I, I like the way you cover a lot of the um, kind of the betting, but some of the psychology of betting and some of the, the mechanics of, you know, bet structure and stuff too. I, I, mm-hmm. I think you do a good job of, I mean, you cover all kinds of stuff, but that's the stuff that you cover that I, I find the most interesting. Well, I appreciate it. It tends to be the stuff I get the most feedback about too. So it's, uh, it's, I think one thing that, that we try to do, and I know that you guys try to do is, you know, kind of fill that gap. Cause I think there's uh, a little bit of a, is Darth the right word? A Darth of coverage? Dearth. Uh, Dearth. Yes. And so, um, 
I, I like that that we can uh, tandemly and and others uh, do it as well. But um, I think it's a a very important thing to cover because you know when we were growing up, there there weren't a lot of books on betting. There was a lot of books on handicapping, but there was not books on betting. And and now there's uh, some podcasts, so people have access to hopefully good information. And I, I try to process a lot of stuff out loud and uh, and hopefully be entertaining at the same. Time. Well, well entertaining, entertaining is the key. And um, I did want to ask you, how is your handicapping going lately? Uh, I'm, I've am i never been that good of a handicapper. I'm just, I don't know. I think I suffer from a lot of recency bias. And so, but on the other thing is, is like when I'm calling races, I don't handicap that much. I don't want, I kind of, I want to report what's happening, not what I think is going to happen or what should happen. I certainly want to be aware of, you know, whose speed or, or, you know, if somebody's got, you know, three wins in a row or four wins in a row. And I'll make notes on a lot of that stuff, but I don't want to try to lay out the race as a race caller like you would as a handicapper. Uh, I just think that uh, I want to be reporting what is happening and not, you know, maybe what I thought was going to happen. But obviously, if a dead speed horse breaks last, it's it's news and you need to know about it. But it's uh, watching a race as a race caller is so different than a handicapper. And I think sometimes people don't realize that. Like I, we miss so much that happens during a race because you know when I'm calling horses nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, I'm not looking at numbers one, two, three, and four because you know we're looking through binoculars that are pretty powerfully zoomed in, and so uh, you just you miss a lot and you hope to see as much as you can, but. I'll see people online sometimes like, oh, this guy didn't even mention the horse that went down. It's like, well, yeah, it went down 15 lengths behind the leader, and we were talking about the leader, you know, and people don't understand that, but you try to explain it. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, do you, if you like handicap the races as a race caller, you know, before the race, mm -hmm. so you kind of get an idea of, of maybe you, you told me you don't already, yeah. but like which horses you expect to see on the lead or coming from behind just to know what to look, but it doesn't sound like you do that. No. Cause I, I think, cause I think it, it then I'm, th I, I don't want to be thinking about a lot other than the names and the colors associated with the names that I used to memorize them. Uh, I think sometimes when you have too much stuff in your brain about a race, you can trick yourself up. Um, there was a day a few weeks ago where it was really, really windy. And like I had this little cute line about how they were, you know, running into the teeth of the wind, but I had it kind of worded. So it was a lot of T's, a Tampa a teeth, whatever. <laughs> and like, I kept that in my brain. They're going to the turn. I'm getting ready to say it. And then I'm like, Oh crap, how did I word that again? And, and then, it, and then I stumbled a little bit in the call and, so I think it's – like I said, I do think there are things that are important within the handicapping of the race. But really I think just reporting what's happening is is the actual service that I'm there to provide. I was going to ask one other question. I've been meaning to ask the track and next track announcer I talked to. It seems like some track announcers like have this re rehearsed uh, stud stallion commercial when a oh, yeah. when name horse wins. Do yeah. you guys get like call, phone calls? Hey, I'll I'll pay you on the side if you if you talk it up or something. Or is that just spontaneous? Or it just seems pretty canned and almost like, you know, they're thinking about the advertisement. Yeah. While they're doing the race call. Well, I'll tell you what. When uh, when when Run Happy's babies were coming out, didn't you notice that everybody was was mentioning run happy in the, in the race calls? Cause they, they, they knew mattress Mac was throwing it around and they knew they were going to be on TV. Uh, I, I never, I don't know that I, I sincerely don't know that I've ever mentioned a sire in a race call. Um, I, I don't handicap breeding at all. And so, and I don't want to say that I don't care about it, but I don't know much about it. And it just doesn't, it doesn't give me a lot of fascination. And, and I also hate when, you know, Malathot's little sister runs and everybody's like, Oh, it's Malathot's sister. Like, let the horse, you know, it's like Craig Griffey. Let Craig Griffey be his <laughs> his own Griffey, not Ken Griffey Jr.'s little brother. But um, I know I've been on two stallion commercials, but it's just because if you call big races, eventually those horses become stallions. And so well, that's what I meant. It wasn't they're already stallions. Yeah. But, you know, these horses that you know are going to be stallions. It's like they're making the race call knowing that commercial is going to be. Out I'm sure I'm sure that I'm sure there are guys that have done it. the two that I. That the, I Hunter O'Reilly was one, and he won the United Nations, and I called that at Monmouth, and then uh, Maximum Security and King for a Day, because he beat Maximum Security. It's the start of my podcast, which I need to get a new one because it's like four years old now. But uh, but I didn't know King for a Day was going to be a stallion. In fact, I didn't think he was going to win the race. So uh, <laughs> there was definitely no uh, no planning in terms of uh, of his sire call. But but they used to play that like the fifth race, like between the fifth and the sixth race of Saratoga. No joke, my 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 egomaniac self. Like I used to, I was like, Oh, it's almost the sixth of Saratoga. I better flip it on real quick. 
quick just so I could hear the commercial. <laughs> you know, Larry Colmus is on every every damn commercial five times, but I, you know, little old me, I don't get that kind of pub. <laughs> well, so, well, someday, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it depends how good WNL is this weekend, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, and you do get Julia Shining this weekend. So yeah, you know, and Wonder Wheel. I mean, that's a showdown. Yeah. Hey, you guys are getting ahead of us here. Let's let's yeah. start from the beginning of the sequence here. All right. Well, let, let's see. Let's see who can be king for a day <laughs> in the Tampa Bay pick five, starting with the seventh race. And it's a, it's a it's a great sequence. There are four stakes races and then a nice maiden turf race. We'll start with the seventh, which is the Minaret Stakes. Six furlongs on dirt, purse of fifty thousand for Phillies and mares, four year olds and up. Jason, you get to go first. Well, I think the way this sequence lays out, I, I you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to go too deep in the Philly race, right? The the two big horses, Julia Shining and Wonder Wheel, or single one or the other. Um, and then I think the Sam is is kind of a logical spread race. I think the the race after this one is maybe a little bit of a spread. I think people are going to spread in the nightcap. So I think a lot of people are going to single caramel swirl here bill mott is obviously on, on a very very good role right now in general and this horse is grade one placed was a grade two winner likes to come from a little bit off the pace in a race where there's probably going to be a fair amount of speed and so this was one of those ones where i'm a, I'm a big believer in the uh, the inside the pylons need a couple of uh uh, with, uh hurdles is the term he uses and uh, this one wasn't one of my hurdles i think this horse is is going to be double tough in here and you know, like I said, there is some some speed in there. Like Olivia Darling is a horse we've seen now, you know, cr- claimed off of Graham, or not claimed, but moved from Graham Motion to Jorge Delgado. And Jorge is just annihilating our meat right now. Like he's 40% and I think he's 60% one, two. And so he's just, everything he has is running. And this horse wasn't running much for Graham and, and got into Jorge's barn and, you know, was running off the screen a couple times in a row. And so um, just, you know, between the two outside horses who both figure to be close up, I just think there's enough pace. And I just think Carmel Swirl is better than these. Yeah, that uh, Jorge Delgado hitting it 36% lifetime at Tampa Bay. So so watch out either way. Chris, what are you thinking in this race? I think Jorge's headed for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, Carmel Swirl, yeah, I mean, this race is a lot like a race they had Last weekend, we didn't cover it on our podcast. It was earlier, but obligatory um, yeah. for Mott was kind of a standout in a similar race and didn't really fire, surprisingly. Caramel Swirl's probably even more of a standout because there's just not much in the way of competition in here. Um, and like Jason said, there's a lot of speed on the inside and the outside, so it seems like there'll be a setup for a horse that wants to come out of it like Caramel Swirl. But I think, you know, and, and so she's probably going to win. The one possible chink in her armor might be the distance. She's been kind of a seven furlong specialist. This is six furlongs. So, you know, that part is a question. Coming off a layoff isn't much of a question because this horse is like its last three or four starts have been all off layoffs and some, some obvious physical issues. And the horse has run well in every one. So, Probably tough to beat, but I do think maybe that distance could uh, be a problem. Maybe she doesn't uncoil quick enough. And I was looking for another horse that might come from off the pace, take advantage of the um, the hot pace, but maybe get the jump on Caramel Swirl. And I landed on a horse I think is kind of interesting, the seven, seven horse. Seven, yeah. She's peachy keen. This is kind of a weird horse. I mean, she was just a slow horse for a long time. She, she was slow when she started her career, like in Delaware and Monmouth. And she went to Tampa and in last spring, she was just not a very good horse. They tried her long, short turf dirt. Something was wrong. Either she was just slow or there was something wrong. Well, they gave her time off. And when they brought her back at the end of the summer, she was a completely different horse. I mean, she reeled off two nice, Dirt sprints, including one at Colonial. So yeah. Jason's probably familiar with her. Um, then for some reason, they stuck her back on the synth. I don't know. They've been trying the turf and uh, before, too. Um, didn't run bad, but not as good as the dirt. And then they put her back on the dirt at Tampa, and she ran a really good race. 
some reason, again, they stuck her back on the turf. I have no idea why. It, she didn't run bad, but, you know, she's last three dirt races have all, all been really super. She shows she can come from off the pace at Tampa. She's back on the dirt where she belongs. And, you know, she's just been a different horse on the dirt since they brought her back. And to me, she's the one that might be the upsetter and, and she's a pretty good price. So I'd say, yeah, Caramel Swirl, definitely legit, but she's Peachy Keen's an interesting long shot that uh, I'm willing to take a shot with. And the pick five, I probably won't be tossing Caramel Swirl out, but um, I think I'll, I'll be trying to get she's peachy keen in there because if you do like jason said caramel swirls probably the logical single in the sequence so you get past her you probably get paid okay well i have i have a, a different horse than both of you guys um i'm on dry pharos who's on the inside and is i think six to one morning line and um the reason i like her she's three for four lifetime She's got speed, and she could be a part of the fast pace. But she has, uh, she's shown that she can sit just off the speed, uh, and on the inside. So, um, in her July 9th Monmouth race, she was speed on the inside, grittily hung on the inside, and then swung four wide and cruised, one under wraps and galloped out best. I don't know what happened, but then she took some time off and she came back as a four-year-old and she hit the gate soundly, still sped to the lead, cut a hot pace, gamely held on, and then extended on the gallop out. I think this is just a really talented horse and um, I'm I, I'm completely willing. There's no way I would play Caramel Swirl in this pick five. Um, I mean, she could win and she's fast, but I mean, this is a $50,000 stakes race. And what does she run in a 400,000 and a 250,000? And her last one was a half million dollar race. It's, it screams prep to me. And, uh, I think she'll be over bet. And I would, I would, I would definitely, um, I, 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 I like dry Pharos a lot, but I would also, um, I'd also take she's peachy keen. I may just use the, the two of them in, in, in this scenario and, and try to beat caramel sorrel. Can I, uh, can I bring up one thing too, guys is, is the weather is, is it still a little bit of question this weekend? It's, it's been beautiful, like for the last seven or eight days, but literally for the last five days, Saturday has shown rain in the forecast and now that we're two days out it's still showing a 70 percent chance of rain in oldsmar and so uh i i think that will be interesting to follow just because obviously the track can change a little bit the good thing is obviously the big races and most of the sequence are, are sequence are not on the grass but uh it, it certainly is a potential wrinkle and something to keep an eye on i always say you know until it's 48 hours within, I don't really take the weather forecast all that seriously, but it's, uh, it's still showing 70% chance and we're, we're now about 48 hours out. So I have another question for you, Jason, because yep. I have, um, it seems to me like Tampa, the rail is not where you want to be. Um, it's just not good. And, um, I, I almost the point where I'll toss horses that are on the rail and, um, I don't know, Jeff. You've seen this, and you can even see the riders. They try to, yeah. they try to get off the rail. I mean, that's well, what's really. Yeah, I, I mean, even just this past week, I mean, there was, I there was. I'm thinking of one race in particular where a horse did come up the road, didn't win, but made a big rally up, and you know, just was in a tight spot and got kind of head bobbed out of it. But um, no, I, I would say most of the forward momentum tends to be down to the center of the track, but that's not that's not always the case, and and it still feels like lately there's been some some speedy type winners The the move that I see that's the winning move here all the time is just sitting just off the pace and taking the lead, turning for home and, and pulling away. I mean, and that's, I think kind of standard ish dirt racing, but again, that's where the race caller versus the handicapping eye is, is sometimes not great just because again, I'm looking, you know, a lot of times in the stretch, you know, you're calling the top three or something, but I'm also looking to see if anybody's coming or what have you. So you just miss a lot. And, you know, you're so concerned with the names that you don't, you know, I, I, at least I don't follow a ton of how the track's profiling, but just the other day, I mean, I remember at least that one horse coming up the rail, but 
yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in a weird way. I'm not the best person to ask about that stuff. <laughs> I freely admit I am not an expert handicapper at any track I call at or any track period. So, um, well, well, I my 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 observations and and a little bit of the data that I've checked confirms it is that mm-hmm. you don't want to be down the rail, especially in the sprints. And that's I like the horse that Scott likes. Um, yeah. I just did not like, first of all, being on the rail as a speed horse in a race full of speed and then being on the rail at a track where the rail is not the place to be. That was just too much of a negative. So I had kind of tabbed that one as a one to play, assuming it wouldn't run well here, mm-hmm. but one I'd, I'd be real anxious to play next or, time out. Not to mention that run. that horse right to his outside or her outside is is pretty damn speedy and coming out of those real short races and stuff like that. And so if... Traferos breaks just a smidge slow, or if the two just flat out outguns her, I mean, that horse is going to cross right over in front of her. So, I mean, yeah. I like Scott, I really like your horse, everything about it, except the the way the, the you know, the trip, I think it's going to get, you know, being buried down on the rail on a track that's typically not a good rail. Well, I, I, you know, I agree with that. It's definitely a concern. And just to put some real stats uh, on the page, Sprints uh, out of 170 races, 8% have been won from the rail at Tampa. Uh, routes uh, out of 87 races, 9% have been won from the rail. So that's actually a low stat compared to everything else. Uh, turf routes, and, and and this is going to become relevant because I have a lot of rail horses in this uh, sequence. <laughs> Ride <laughs> turf, the rail. <laughs> turf, turf routes, 14%. And and that is the best uh, percentage yeah. as, far, as far as well. Um, and the turf routes start in that chute, so they're all at an extreme ground saving advantage when they're down on the inside. The number of times, Scott, I see horses who are dead even with horses from the outside, but the second they turn into the stretch, they they go a half or half length or length in front just because of cutting the corner there. And then they, of course they run right into the first turn. I mean, it's, it's a major advantage in my opinion, but some, I mean, they get trapped down there sometimes, but overall, if you can work out a clean trip, it's a huge advantage to be drawn inside on the turf routes here. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, so anyway, I do have that concern uh, 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 about the rail, but, but if you look at the race at Monmouth that Drafaris ran, where she was on the inside and like she was f- sitting fourth. And I, I think she can do that since there's a lot of speed in here. Um, I, I'm going to, I don't know Centennial. The only thing I know about Centennial is that he kicks butt at uh, Tampa Bay. And I'm just going to have to trust that he's going to do continue doing that and, and is not going to go for the lead with this horse. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the problem though, you could get shuffled way back. I mean, that's the problem from the rail is it's sort of like, it's sort of a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of, if you, if you sin, then you end up, you know, getting pressed by everybody else in a hot pace. And if you take back, you're likely to get shuffled back farther than you want to be. You're going to eat kickback and at Tampa, you know, in rails, it's just, I don't see how this horse works a winning trip. I really don't. That's the only problem. Um, if it was 15 to one, I'd be more interested six to one. I just, that one doesn't excite me just not because the horse, cause I look at, you know, if, if I just looked at this race with, and, and without looking at the, the trip, I really like this horse quite a bit. That's it's possible. He goes off under six to one too, right? I mean, three open length wins in a row and the speed figures are up there. I mean, I think it's possible that horse takes a little bit more money. Yeah, it might be second choice. It's yeah. kind of hard. It depends on how much they bet Carmel Swirl. Carmel Swirl goes off yeah. two to five. You know, yeah, yeah, different stories. Well, yeah, because I, I guess I just see that horse as more of a contender than Olivia Darling. But um, again, Olivia Darling's coming in with those two bigger numbers or two big numbers, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's interesting that my destiny uh, for this trainer, Herman Wilensky, it flew to Delta Downs and won a stakes there. Yeah. So, yeah. And was that Los Alamitos in, in starter allowances just a couple starts back? Yeah, really, really kind of a nutty a nutty travel schedule. Yeah. And, and ran, it, it ran in this race last year, got beat a neck. Wow. It's still still searching for its destiny, obviously. <laughs> Hasn't found it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is six for 12 on a fast dirt track. So yeah. uh, definitely... Um, definitely has some ability and I, 
I think this trainer is based in Florida, so it's really interesting that that it was running in California uh, last summer. I just think it's funny they ran for a thousand yarder at Los Al and won. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I just realized that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that what that tells you is that's a quick horse. Yeah. Right? Well, and that was what that was my concern for Draferos is like this this thing might just outgun and cut right over in front. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a great race to open the sequence. Do, do you guys have any other horses, or should we move on to the eighth race? No, I'm good. Uh, we can, yeah, we can move on. Okay, the eighth race is the Pelican Stakes. Six furlongs also, purse of 400, uh, sorry, purse of 100,000 for four-year-olds and up. And Chris, your turn to get us started. Yeah, interesting horse. The favorites kind of make sense, but I, I have a couple horses in here I like for very different reasons. Scott always makes me pick one of them. So I'm going to go with the seven as my top pick for the pod, Uphold the Law. Uh, this horse is really interesting in that, uh, you know, a lot of times these fast sprinters are very ouchy and they have trouble staying you know at the races and this guy is sort of the poster child for that he's actually had five starts in his life and he's never ever strung together two races in a row he's never had a second off playoff race in his <laughs> life and um you know, yeah, you know unless you consider like three months a second off the layoff it's got to even be more than three months i don't think he's ever had a race within six months no, he is. Well, he went from November to January. Yeah. Two, six, so six, 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 seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, from no. Oh, yeah, you're right. He did. So that was the closest thing. Um. So and 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 he won. And he won that one. He's he's four for five lifetime. Yeah. He 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 runs fast when he runs. He just doesn't run very often. He doesn't. Never had the races. same rider either. No. I mean, look. He's <laughs> yeah. He's he uh. Anyway, he did make his one bad start. Was at Colonial. So. Yeah. He's zero for one. Jason Beam on the mic. With Jason on the mic, that might be a negative. I, that's I an that's an that. angle, Chris. It's yes, an angle. <laughs> so, um, but you know, the reason I like second off a layoff horses is because that's the time when they're they're still fresh, but they they're fit. You know, that getting there's nothing like a race, and when you get a race under their belt, you know that really takes them to the next level of fitness and. But they're fresh. They haven't been through a long campaign, so all those mix and you know owie things are not bothering them yet. Um, so I really like second off a layoff. This is the first time this horse is gonna going to be able to do that. And it's interesting because not only is it second off the layoff, but they actually shipped from the fairgrounds to run in this race, which tells me they must think, well, first of all, they know this horse probably is not going to be at the races for very long, you know, before he goes on the bench again. So let's take advantage of it while we can, but they have to be thinking he's feeling really good. And he does have a, a really nice workout since that last race. So I just think he's sitting on the race of his life and his ups, he still has upside. It's hard to tell how good he could be because he's never been able to actually run, you know, at this level of fitness. So I think he's really interesting. Um, he could, you know, run a total clunker, you know, get hurt in, because he's never, you know, he's obviously got physical issues. But with that extra fitness, um, who knows? He could really pop a big race. So that's who I like. Uphold the law. He's eight to one. I think you probably get that. Um, and uh, I have another horse I like, but I'll hold off on that. Let's see what uh, Jason and Scott think about this one. Yeah, uphold the law four for five, never been higher than three to one, but always in optional claimers. So maybe, I don't know, I, I smell six to one. Um, Jason, what are you thinking in this race? I, I'm with you, Scott, that that horse could take some money, because I and I like him too. Um, that, that one race at Colonial, he was kind of stuck down on the inside of a, of a pretty hard speed duel. I mean, Colonial played pretty fast on the dirt there, so 44 and four isn't like insane. But it's it's pretty damn honest. And like I said, he was on the inside part of that duel, which is uh, maybe not the best because I actually think, Chris, I think he's going to fall into a pretty good spot. Uh, obviously, the six wants to go and that horse is pretty quick. And, you know, Willie Boy and Sibelius and those types are very quick and they're inside of 
of the Pete Matson horse, uh, what's his name? Dr. Oscar. Um, so I don't know that Dr. Oscar necessarily is going to cross over and clear, but I, I do think uphold the law is liable to get kind of a forwardly placed pressing two or three wide trip, which I think could be a, a winning trip. And obviously it's, I mean, it's kind of the trip he's employed when he's won all those races. He just sits right off the lead leader and sits out on the two or three path and, and gobbles them up. So I was with Chris on that one. My, my other horse was Gatsby, the 10 for Carlos David. Uh, again, I think going to, be a little further back this time, but going to kind of get a trip like he did last time at Tampa uh, behind a few of these horses. And, uh, you know, he was beaten ahead by Willie Boy, and he's going to be three three times the price, I think. And um, he's going to have to come from a little further back. But And he hasn't really run all that great at Tampa. Usually he's he basically shows up here for the state-bred stakes because he's, you know, Florida-bred and sired and all that. So, um, you know, this is probably, in a way, the toughest race he's had here. All right, I'm going to go with a third horse. I do like Uphold the Law, and um, I will definitely be using him. I'm not sure about Gatsby. Um, the horse that I'm picking to win is Paco's Pico. Pico. Oh, it's Pico. Pico de Gallo. Or, okay, Pico's, Pico, or Pico Central, the horse. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. uh, Paco's Pico. Um, I think he should – this This is a he's, – he's in the two-hole. He's not on the rail. But I also think that he should sit behind the speed. The uh, time form does have the most of these races as speed favoring, and uh, I think he will sit behind the speed and save ground. He can let the speed exhaust themselves, then take over under Gaffleone, who's a patient rider. Uh, I like the sheet pattern on this horse. He's um, he's coming off an O two an O three two which means uh, he ran a top, then he ran three points off that top, and then uh, two points off that top. Um, so the, the 0-3-2 is a pretty productive pattern on the sheets, and uh, I like it. The, the one caution I will say is that uh, the O was a five-point top, and, and often that's uh, it's hard to get back to a number that's a five-point top. Um, but but But... You know, considering the running style with this field, he's the horse that I'm going to pick on top, but I, I won't single him. I will also use Uphold the Law and maybe one or two others. Yeah, the other horse I like is the one that Jason pointed out, Gatsby. Um, to me, he's kind, he's, inconsi- he's consistently inconsistent. Um, his last race looks bad, but it really wasn't as bad as it looks because um they went pretty fast and lightning larry just kind of freaked in that race Mm -hmm. all the other speed horses pretty much spit the bit and so you know he ran third beating seven but it wasn't that bad and and he gets lasix again and i think he runs better with lasix um so and like jason said his last race at tampa wasn't bad at all so um, I could see him, you know, he wouldn't shock me at all. And he'll probably be a pretty good price. And he gets Louis Saez riding too. And he drew that nice outside post. And that's one of the things I like about, um, uphold the law. He's quick, but, um, he can sit off and he's got all the other major speed horses are inside of him. So I do think he drew well, like Jason pointed out. So, but I kind of liked Gatsby. Um, I, I also agree with Scott Paco's. Pico isn't a bad looking horse, but I, I just going to avoid those horses down on the inside. Like I said, I just haven't, I haven't seen those win these sprints. So I, I, I might all, all, if those inside horses are winning these first two sprints, I'll definitely be out of the big five. And Sibelius is going to get bet down from nine to five, right? You would think, and Willie yeah. boy will probably take well, that yeah. too. I know my, my, I have a real big, super long shot. I think it might be interesting underneath and that's the four grand runner. Um, I just think he, I think he, he's going to be a little further back than he normally is, but I, I think he might be able to close in and get some little, little chunk of the bottom stuff. And Barbosa's horses are all running up here right now. You think he could be the pick up the pieces? Type? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a third or fourth, a sneak in. Yeah, he does. If, if one's going to do that, it would be him. Yeah. I think you're right. He's run some good races here too. So that's why that was another thing I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I, I endorse that pick, uh, certainly underneath and maybe even has a shot to win it. 
he does. He, he, I, I kind of, I like the pattern. Uh, I'm just not sure about the layoff, but, mm-hmm. uh, but who knows? Uh, all right, let's go to the ninth race. It's the Suncoast Stakes, a mile and 40 yards, purse of 150,000 for three-year-old fillies. The showdown between Wonder Wheel, the champion two-year-old, and Julia Shining, the horse that everybody loves to hate. Uh, what do you got, Jason? That's funny. I mean, maybe that's what I use in the call. <laughs> she, she wins. <laughs> um, so I was really... Like to me, Wonder Wheel is like the prototypical kind of horse that I like to go against first time back at three years old, like just a super good two year old who, you know, was not like a crazy speed figure type horse, but just was winning races, but is going to get so, so bet because of the success that they had it too. And obviously it's a different thing. And Cassie's like super high on this horse, been saying all, you know, all week, you know, one of the best two-year-olds I ever trained, all that kind of stuff. And obviously Gaff Leone's coming back. You know, he's going to ride a champion. But I just, I mean, how many times have we seen these really good two-year-olds come back and not win first time out when they're a very, very short price? And so um, I know you, I know as an analyst, you have to say, well, she could win, of course. But um, I would I would be going against her here in this spot for, I guess, a few reasons. I mean, certainly she's versatile and the rail draw going a mile 40 here is probably uh, a pretty cozy spot. I mean, and there's no like the speed is kind of all more a little ways out. Right. Like, I guess Charlie's wish could be somewhat close up. But really, I think a lot of these horses are not as quick as Wonder Wheel can be early. So um, I don't know. I, I ended up being torn on the idea of either. Julia Shining is a single, or you got to play a lot of the other ones and and try to beat Wonder Wheel and Julia Shining because, like I said, I'm happy to lose to Wonder Wheel, but there weren't a I'm one of my real handicapping weaknesses, and there are many, is like kind of trying to figure out who's going to stretch out, and boy, there's just a lot of those in here. Yeah, it's uh, the many horses have. Most of the horses have never even gone two turns. Yeah, so uh, it, it's a, it's a tough call. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm because you said you might single Julia Shining. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you down for that pick. Yeah, I'll go ahead and hold me on that. But it's it's Thursday, so I can change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Chris, what are you thinking? Well, um, first of all, I want to echo everything that Jason said about Wonder Wheel. You know. I feel the same way, especially with Phillies, because unlike the Colts, a lot of the precocious Phillies never really develop much at all later in their careers. Um, we kind of saw that a little bit last year with the champ, um, especially in terms of when the distances get longer. So, um, and plus this is a prep for a prep. I mean, their goal is the Oaks. and the When Phillies. she's got the points. <laughs> yeah. She's already got 40 points. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I totally agree that a, she wasn't a super fat. She wasn't like she had layover numbers as a two-year-old either. Um, you know, she just was the best of a mediocre crop and she may not develop much and she's not going to be cranked up. So totally agree on all fronts. Um, and with regards to Julia shining, I mean, she was just destined to be an underlay every time she yeah. ever runs because of her breeding, you know, being the, a full sister to a champion and being out of a really fast mare by curling. I mean, I, I, I kind of joked after her first race, you know, underlay alert when they announced she was going to Tampa Bay downs because, yeah. Oh, that was, I remember that thread. Cause DeRosa said she was going to be the favorite. <laughs> I think he's crazy. No, nah, I don't think she'll be favored, but she'll vie for favoritism. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think she'll be lower than five to two, but yeah. she's going to be an underlay. But I think, you know, if you watch her races, she's clear that she's got talent that's not quite come hasn't shined through yet. Um, and she likes to go wide, but at Tampa, I don't think that's necessarily as yeah. bad as it would be at yeah. some other tracks. So, you know, between the two, I don't really like either one. So I'm going to try to beat them both, but, um, I would be like you, Jason, I would probably lean towards Julia shining. Um, because she probably will be a bigger price. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm not going to go with either one. And, the thing you noticed noted about uh, a lot of these horses are stretching out for the first time. Well, I got a, a a couple of angles that might help you figure out which of those you would want to play. And for me, the standout of the first time stretching out horses is the two horse Opus 42. 
And first of all, she's really bred to go long. I mean, she's, I think, by Mendelssohn out of a, um, let's see, let me look up her breeding, out of a lemon drop kid mare. So she should be able to go two turns, no problem at all. Um, but that's not the only thing I like about her. Her trainer is phenomenal stretching these horses out on the dirt. These, these two and three-year-olds, first time riding on the dirt, his numbers are crazy. And he's really good with these females. In fact, for females stretching out first time in the dirt, he's five wins and 10 tries, nine of the 10 in the money. And two of those ran in this race. Two years ago, B Sneaky ran second, first time routing. And the year before that, Lucrezia won first time routing. So he's been a master at stretching him out in this particular race. Um, and in general, and this horse is really bred to 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 run long, and um, you know, there's nothing wrong in its form either. I mean, it's uh, you know, it it had the, a couple of turf races starts career, and since it's gone to the dirt, it hasn't lost. So, to me, that horse kind of stands out. Um, Opus forty two. The barn actually has another horse, the seven horse fast track. I don't think it's quite as good from a breeding standpoint or as fast coming in, but you know, that one wouldn't shock me either, but I really do like the two horse Opus 42. Opus 42 has improved every race and is two for two on the dirt. So, uh, and did stretch out to seven furlongs and one in the last race. So definitely, uh, <clears throat> has a shot. I, um, <clears throat> well, after you guys, after the two of you trashed Wonder Wheel, I, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna single Wonder Wheel and and um, I'll tell you the reason why is because I think she's she's just a super horse. I think she uh, she you know two races ago before the Breeders' Cup she was on the lead and she uh, she ran against a closer favorability bias of like ninety six on the racing flow numbers. So she, she, she overcame the closer bias and won on the lead, just barely won on the lead, and then went off at 6-1 to one in the Breeders' Cup. And that was a race that uh, figured to have a ton of speed, and she ended out taking off the pace. So she's completely adaptable. She hasn't run that fast, like Chris said. She hasn't run that fast. Um, so I think she still has a ton of upside and she's coming off the best five furlong workout of her life and she gets the rail and, and the rail is uh, a little better at this two turn distance. She's, she's going to save ground on that first turn, no matter what, um, uh, you know, with all these horses trying dirt for the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, all these horses routing for the first time. She's got a distinct advantage. The only advantage she doesn't have is against Julia Shining, who I like, but she's probably going to be wide on that first turn. She's probably going to be wide on the second turn. Um, I think, I, I, to me, the value is singling Wonder Wheel here because even though she will be a price, Julia Shining is the one who's going to, she's going to take a lot of that money. And, um, and 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 there's a little bit the just because of Julia shining, you get a wee bit of value on Wonder Wheel. Yeah, I th I, I think um, just in terms of the sequence itself, I, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to single that horse in the first leg, but sometimes first legs people will spread a little bit more just because they want to, uh, you know, be alive a little bit later. So I do think I think beating either of those top two is extremely important did i cut out or did you guys cut out no oh no, sorry doing great it got it went quiet there for a second so i wasn't sure uh but no i i just think that the beating the beating those these two in this race i feel like might generate a little more separation than even beating that favorite in the first leg because i think so many people are gonna you know go one or both in this race yeah, but the good news for you guys is a you're not playing them both so at least you're single yeah. one of the two and the fact they're both in there, they're going to split the money some, right? They're, it's yeah, not like everything's going to flow through one of them. So if you single one of them, I don't think you're that bad. If you if you hit it, yeah. the problem is, you know, 
I don't know if either one stands out over the other. So, um, you know, there's a good chance whichever one you pick, the other one might win. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to play the pick five. But I do agree with what you said, that if you get past both of these, probably 95% of the money is going through those two. Horses, through those right? two, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then you really open up. You know, if you could beat um, Caramel, Caramel Swirl, Swirl and you beat these two, it's going to pay. Oh, right? forget about it, yeah. Well, because the so, last race, yeah, the last race to me feels like there's there's like four or five that make a lot of sense that people are going to use, but not like a clear one or two. Right. And so I think I, th I just think people are going to be forced to go kind of more narrow in those the, the legs one and three and uh, open up in the others. Yeah. So I I think that's the way. I mean, and and if, th and if those the chalk wins those two, is you might be surprised that it doesn't pay much. You know, yeah. even if you get some prices in the other legs, it's like. That that's kind of what I think will determine whether or not this is going to pay, you know, has a potential to pay really well is if you can beat, you know, get beat the chalk in one of those two legs. And if you can beat yeah. them both, it just really could be any, you could pay anything at that point. Might have a there Sunday a, carryover. There you go. <laughs> there, there is another horse in here. I, I do think deserves a little bit of mention. And I think, uh, you know, could win the race and that's the stable mate of wonder wheel ticker tape home mm -hmm. you know it's kind of surprising that they even have her in here but it might tell you a little bit about trainer intention with wonder wheel and this horse has some really nice races um really impressive they were on synth and turf but the breeding doesn't scream turf at all so there's no reason why that one couldn't translate its form over and to me this one there'll be a little hungrier with this one it you know if they they're, they're gonna probably have this one cranked up more because uh you know it's not this is not a prep for a prep for a prep like wonder wheel now it's probably not as talented either but you don't know what kind of horse this is on dirt you know it's an unknown and the breeding says it may be as good or better. They paid a lot of money for this horse so, you know over six hundred thousand dollars by medallia doro and medallia doro uh fillies uh on the dirt there's been a lot of really really good ones so you know that's the other one i think could upset the cart is the eight horse ticker tape home okay well let's move to the marquee event it is the 10th race the sam f davis grade three mile 16th on dirt purse of two hundred fifty thousand for three-year-olds a pretty uh substantial Substantial field for a Kentucky Derby prep. What are you thinking, Chris? Uh, this one's got me scratching my head. I I just could not come up with anything I really liked. I think WNL, if it does rain and it's sloppy, then I think you can lean pretty heavily on WNL because that race on a sloppy track was pretty awesome. But on a fast track, <laughs> I don't know this horse is any better than any of these horses it's hard to tell if that horse moved up because of the track or because it just improved which they you know they can do as two-year-old and three-year-old so on a fast track to me this race is a total head scratcher you know you can make a case for anybody the problem is a lot of them aren't going to be big prices and i think everyone's going to be spreading in here if they don't yeah. you know hang their hat on wnl or wnl it's it's for it's for William and Lee College. They call it, it you know the initials are W and L like okay. And so, but w it's W and L, yeah. W but it's it's kind of okay. the the local way they say it. Yeah, I, I had to do some investigating into that one. Yeah, I guess you need to do their homework. Yeah. As oh yeah, yeah. I, I call I, I I went right to Danny Gar. Well, because the Blood Horse published an article that said it was W N E L, like literally those four letters W N E L, and so I called Danny and he's like, they never asked about anything. It's W and L. <laughs> So, and, and then I've subsequently had a few people that w apparently went to that college that were like, yeah, it's W now. So, okay. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. mystery solved. And I'm glad yeah. you did your homework and you'll, you'll pronounce it correctly for the first yeah. time. <laughs> um, uh, so I did land on a horse. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to, to demand a price because I just don't have a strong opinion. And I ended up on the six horse classic car wash. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I, I love this horse, but uh, I thought, you know, its last two races were both good. Uh, one was on 
the dirt sprinting where he just crushed the field. And then another one was routing on synth where he crushed the field. And so, you know, maybe he can crush the field again. I mean, there's really nothing that stands out, like I said in here, at least on a fast track. So why not? Why not go with the price? Uh, I don't have much more to offer than that. Um, he's, at, he's ran two good races. I think they're good enough to win in here unless WNL runs back to his his big fig last time. So why not go for a big price at 20 to one? So six horse classic car wash. Maybe Mark Cassie will sweep the big stakes um, if he wins with Wonder Wheel or ticker tape home. And uh, every uh, and this happened last time we had this horse on the pod. He ended up scratching, but um, I will repeat, and I can't see this horse without getting that song out of my head. At the car wash, yeah. Jason? Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he scratched out of that three-year-old race last week. That's right. That's right. To run here. Yeah. Um, the, I think this race is actually really fun. I think you can make a case for a lot of horses. But as, as Chris said, I think a lot of the ones that you can make a case for, like I think the Bill Mott horse with Junior Alvarado, especially like the kind of the tear they've been on, I think that horse is going to get bet down from 12 to 1, even though it's just a maiden winner. Uh, I think people are going to kind of hop on the connections there. And I didn't like – Personally, the Prairie Hawk race that Prairie Hawk and, and Groveland come out. There was a couple of Pletcher first-time starters in that race. It was just a four-horse field, and they both broke bad. Like one really stumbled, one kind of broke out. And so Prairie Hawk just inherited this very easy lead, uh, 25 and 50. You know, I know the track was good, but we had a couple days where the tracks were good or the turf was good, and it was there was not a lot of water. I mean, it was very, very drying, drying out and maybe just, you know, it, it had rained the night before kind of thing. And so uh, I don't even put that much stock into, you know, the, the fact that that race or the track was, was listed as good there. So I'm very much against those two. And then it, it, it did become a little bit of, okay, WNL makes sense, but is WNL, um, Chris, I was talking on the show recently about the kind of those horses people default to like, they're just they're supposed to be favored because their numbers are a little bit higher or they've they've done a little bit more and and this feels like a little bit of of that kind of horse won the Remsen which is obviously something but again the sloppy track for the last couple times the Remsen has a little bit of a curse that uh, DeRosa and others I know love to believe in and so um, I get why he's going to be favored he just I, I just don't see that he's that far ahead of of a lot of these but boy narrowing it down to one because I think everybody another default kind of horse people are going to default to the Pletcher horse because it's Todd Pletcher and He's, the horse has gotten some good speed figures, at least on Brisnet, uh, and has been working pretty good. And, you know, Cyclone Mischief obviously didn't come back and run very good last week, but he, I didn't think he had a great trip. And um, Dale horses seem to always kind of move backwards the further we go down this trail, it seems. So Litigate was probably the one that I was most interested in, I guess, outside of the, the favorite. Okay. Um, I ended out landing on – who did I – who did I land on in this race? Oh, yeah, this is a pretty tough race. Um, I landed on Groveland. He's run his best races uh, going two turns, which <clears throat> was a factor last week where the uh, – I, I forget the name of the horse. The, the Bill Mott horse had shown some ability, uh, had really excelled going the first The one that won times. the Holy Bowl, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something can I forget his name? I'm. It's funny Rocky enough. Like, can. Rocky yeah, I'm. Can. Funny enough, I'm bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rocky, Rocky can uh, had shown ability. You know, had run, had sh- only shown ability going two turns. And this horse is the same type. Uh, he doesn't have spacing like like Rocky can had at last week, but um, he did improve. Uh, uh, substantially going two turns for the first time and he is a first and a second going uh, that way and um, <clears throat> I think he can sit off a hot pace he he was relatively close to the pace in both those races but um, he did get slow pace figures so he's probably going to be off the pace he's about as fast as most of these except for WNL and I don't know what to do with WNL because, you know, like like Chris said, uh, he I mean he is over one on a fast track. The question is, you know, can he can he repeat on a fast track? And 
whether it's a fast track or not, I mean, he did run a gigantic number on the sheets. So, uh, but the thing is he could also react and still win. So I might do a, a scenario where I, I have a play with WNL without any of those favorites that, that we were talking about before, um, to just price horses. Uh, and I'm definitely using Groveland and I think I'm going to have to use the classic car wash. Yeah. Scott, is it me or if, <laughs> if Daniel Centeno has a big Saturday, you're having a big Saturday. Is, uh, I, I feel, yeah, I like yeah. I feel like you've had him like three times. I, I, I just hope he's good on closers. He's, he's, he's good on a lot of stuff. He's a George Wolf uh, finalist this year. All right. George Wolf yeah. award. Yeah. I think Which, one of those was me. I had on okay. Opus, uh, Opus. Okay, there we go. Well, we'll just say the pod needs Danny to have yes, a big, big we weekend. Need him to have a good day. Yeah, good guy too. I got to interview him once. Really good guy. Yeah, I you know I think you can make a case for any of them, um, assuming WNL doesn't repeat the figure he ran on the slop and the if it's a fast track, um, there's. I mean, you could literally any of these horses could yeah. win. So that's why I would lean towards a horse at a price like, you know, Groveland or for me, classic car wash. Um, or you just this is the race where you spread. Yeah. And just, I, but if I spread, I, I'll probably just try to beat WNL, you know, yeah. and just. That was, that was my thought with the sequence too. Like if I'm singling Carmel Swirl and Julia Shining, like there's this, this is the, you know, leg two and, and leg four here where I, I have to get creative because really in leg five, I'm not all that creative. Yeah, it makes sense. So if you're, so yeah. So like if you, that, that's what I do. I, this is one where you got to beat the favorite if you're playing yeah. the, you know, that those other ones. Yep. Yeah. Even on a small ticket. I mean, it's not going to, you know, wouldn't be a big. No. And you don't have to play them all. I would just go after. You yeah. Know, I'd take the, the I highest, have, the highest six. <laughs> or, or at least the, the, the ones that you think are the yeah. strongest of yeah. the prices, you know, and just try yep. to beat the others. Yep. Okay, let's go to the last leg. It is the 11th, a maiden special weight on the turf, mile and the 16th, purse of 27000 for three-year-old fillies. Jason? How are we going to cash this pick five? You know, I, I meant to look, and I did not. So this is this is bad uh, bad preparation on my part. So I'm going to stall for a second. <laughs> look, but it's, uh, usually these turf races that go a mile and a sixteenth here, they start in the chute. But sometimes on the bigger days, they'll put the rail down to zero and start them out of the very very top of the stretch. So, uh, but they did start them out of the chute the other day for the big stakes. So I'm assuming they will be uh, coming out of the shoot, which makes a big difference. I think the, the inside horses end up getting a, a fairly significant advantage when, when they have that kind of short run. And uh, I thought Tim Ham's horse on the rail actually is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, they wanted to run on turf last time and a horse uh, he, you know, Tim Ham often has some pretty nice horses. And so I thought little miss moonlight was a little bit interesting, but there's a Clement Furster, Cirilla for Gaff Leon. That's going to take a lot of money. There's two Chad Brown Furster's a Clarovich and a Peter Brandt. Those ones are going to take a lot of money. And I think that the, the Suge horse uh, to the outside, who's 20 to one on the morning line should take some money. So I, I'm that horse comes out of the Opus 42 race. Um, you can see, but you know, the one from way, way back, but uh you know, Suge always rides Forest Boyce there in Maryland, and uh, I thought it was interesting to let Peru's ride for him here because I don't think Julian has one in the the big big race. But um, I, uh, of the Chads, I thought Lovers Rock was maybe the more interesting. Him, him and Hector Diaz Jr. and Peter Brandt they they teamed up with Bleecker Street here last year, and uh, so I think they have some loyalty to Hector when they have a decent one in town. He's mostly been riding Sammy to uh, Chad when he's been sending him over here, so uh, I thought it was a little bit interesting that uh, that Hector ended up getting this one because, like I said, they they do have a history of of having the success with Bleecker Street here last year it was Hector's first and second career graded wins. All right, so I'm putting you down for Lovers Rock, Jason. It ten and eleven, <laughs> and one Lover. ten, eleven, one. <laughs> All right, Lovers Three Rock, Brett and Girl, <laughs> Lil Miss and There we Moonlight. go. That, that's uh, Tau 101, Scott. You just give out as many. You, you don't even have to give them out. You just have to say their name. Just say you're using them. Yeah, and the, or just like, or they're a little bit interesting. And then the next week on the show, you just pull the clip. Of, Boy, Jason said this horse was a little interesting. I mean, that is that is podcast and Tau 101. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, well, use all three of them, and uh, you can't lose. 
Chris, what are you thinking? Well, I agree with Jason on the one horse, Little Miss Moonlight. I mean, they, they wanted to be on, on the turf and, and debut. It got taken off and still ran well on the dirt. But what I like is even though it ran well on the dirt, they're bringing right it back. back on the turf. Yeah. So, um, and it draws the rail. Um, so, you know, to me, that's interesting if you can get a price on that one. Um, that was my second choice. So the horse I like in here is the six horse Juniper's moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the price as much, but I'm not convinced that the one's going to go off that much higher than the six. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, the one's coming off a nice finish and the six is coming off, you know, a terrible race. And, um, uh, you know, this horse is by Galileo. Um, so, not surprisingly, you'd think it's a turf horse. And on debut, if you, you want to watch a replay that will get you um, enthusiastic about this horse, watch its debut race because it broke slowly. But on the backstretch, when, when Kendrick gave it a cue, this horse just took off and just, just floated past the entire field, except for the horses that were, and it was way back. There was a couple of horses, including a Chad Brown horse, that it couldn't catch at the end, but it it made a real eye-catching move. I mean, it looked like a talented horse. It's bred to be a good turf horse. And then I have no idea why they ran on the dirt. I'm guessing because they were in New York and there wasn't any more Yeah, the turf's gone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And the horse ran like a Galileo on the turf. (laughs) It got beat by 38 lengths. I didn't know they kept counting that far back. so I would just throw that race out. Now it's back on the turf and it gets Lasix and as a decent post, um, to me, you know, this horse, the barn isn't red hot or anything, but you know, it typically doesn't do good with first time starters routing on the turf. And this horse ran really well, ran a winning race. It just got beat by a, you know, a horse that had a better trip and, you know, and ran a big race. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I've got to go with the six. I mean, I know it's, I know it can run a big race on the turf. I've already seen it do that. Probably good enough to win this race. And, um, you know, the others all have questions like the one horse, you don't know what it's going to do on the turf and all those firsters, you know, you know, you figure they're good if they're Chad Brown, but Hey, they've never raced before in a race. So I, I think the six kind of stands out. That's who I'm going to, if I play the pick five, which I probably will, that will be my key horse in this race, Juniper's Moon. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I will add that Juniper's Moon ran against a CFR, closer favorability rating, on racing flow of two in that debut. So that was a, 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 a pretty tough race to actually get up to win. And the, the horse that did win was uh, much closer. So... So it was against the bias as well in that race. Uh, I, I'll, I'll use that horse. <clears throat> the um, I, I was glad to hear you both talking about Little Moon, Little Miss Moonlight. That is my top pick. I um, I like the I like the the turf breeding. Ran respectably in the first off the turf race, and has a nice post position. Um, I, I, I'm certainly not going to single the horse, but I will use her and she'll be my top pick. I'll also use Lover's Rock and Juniper's Moon. Anything to add, Jason? No, um, I was just going to, I was going to give a plug to Pablo Morales who rides the one, uh, very good turf rider here. He's Pete Aiello's favorite jockey in, uh, in Western Florida. So Pete, Pete loves him some Pablo on the turf. <laughs> yeah. And, and in the, pick five yeah this race people will be spreading there's not going to be a if there is a strong favorite it probably won't be a big favorite in the pick five Mm -hmm. you know the only horse i could see maybe getting pounded at post time could be that you know one of the chad firsters you know if one of those is really well meant um and uh it could get really pounded but i think this is one where you can spread and even use some of those favorites and you won't get killed um, because everyone will be spreading in this race. Yeah. I think that's where the, the the key of beating those horses earlier on comes as far as the payout. Cause you know, if, if, if you beat a cup caramel swirl or if you beat both those top two in that race, I think any one of the top four in here are going to 
pay quite good because everybody is going to have to go four deep, therefore have to go more narrow earlier on. All right. Well, since we're 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 running kind of late, we're this pod is a it's 11 p.m. on a Thursday night, so uh, so it's it's going late, and so we're 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 going to end it at that. I would like to thank our guest, Jason Beam. Jason, thanks for staying up late with us. My pleasure, guys. I hope we get to do it again next year as well. All right. Yeah, and that we did have you last year at this time, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 great. We'll we'll make it a tradition from now on. Well, let's do it. I love the Sam F. Davis. All right. That will conclude show number two one two of the Sport of Kings Pod. Good luck at Gulf Street. Uh, good luck at Tampa Bay, and wherever else you play. Same thing. And please enjoy <laughs> the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Yeah, yeah. Two two one two uh New York area code, right? Yeah, yeah. I I I I paused when I said that because I was like, hey, it's two one two. And next, that means next week's is a Los Angeles area code. Wait, is two one three? Yeah, all the big all the big cities are like right by each other. Chicago's three one two, LA's two one three. You know why that you know why that is? I don't. I'm assuming there's a reason. Okay.